Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Well, it's good to talk to you guys. Yeah. It's been a minute. Mm-hmm. So much has happened. So many things. Um, yeah, if you guys want to do updates, we can. Or I'm, I'm considering getting into a new hobby I'd be willing to share. One of your guys' thoughts on as well. Is it cool? Okay, here's the thing. I, I'm kind of pumped about this. I don't know how I, well, I watched, so I, last week I was on vacation, which was awesome, deer hunted, and it was great. Um, spent time with my nieces and nephews, and in the evenings, one of the shows that we would watch oftentimes was, it was called Lego Masters, which was from last year, and it was this competition of Lego building. Have you guys seen this show? No. I've, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it, though. Whoa. Just so cool what they could do with legos to the point that i kind of want to start building some legos i don't even know what that means i've always loved legos but apparently it's like an adult hobby have you guys heard of this phenomenon no i'm google searching it now though i i have not heard of that wow this is pretty cool are you going to turn into will ferrell from the lego movie i was thinking the same thing maybe would that be? The, I don't think that'd be an issue. Breaking out the craggle. <laughs> mm-hmm. The craggle. You do have to be careful that this guy's had that list of like, hey, if in twenty years you check up on me and I have such and such a hobby, you have right. to do an intervention because True. of celibacy. Mm-hmm. Because of celibacy, <laughs> we have talked about this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think Legos was on there, but I don't think so. No, dude, that sounds sweet. So you I mean, were in, you, you were into him as a kid, Rob? Oh yeah, big time. But were you guys? Not so much. I always found him a little. I don't. It didn't scratch an itch for me. Maybe I. Would you get like the kits where here's what you're supposed to make, or would you just take a bucket of Legos and make things? Um, both. I more. I always thought the kits were cooler because you could make some really cool stuff. Um, but we also had just some Legos that we would play with a lot. It was great. Yeah, Legos and baseball cards. Those were like my hobbies as a kid. Mm, yeah. Yeah, similar. I mean, and and the kits turn into, you know, giant tubs of Legos that then you can just right. build whatever you want. Because that, that, that stuff, it just compiles. I mean, we had, you can imagine, we had some Legos, dude. We, <laughs> we had tons of Legos. So, I mean, you would build the original thing that it was intended for, you know, there's like a, a pirate ship and, uh, in, in like a tropical rainforest or whatever. And then you'd break it apart and you never build it again. And then we would do a lot of just creative, you know, just uh, some artistic liberties going on. So everybody could just <laughs> freely create as they wanted. It was a yeah. utopia. Mm-hmm. It was fun though, man. I loved, I played with Legos a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, it sounds like freedom, what you're talking about there. Yeah, yeah. no rules. No rules. Mm-hmm. No ex- plan. No plan, no color coordination. Mm-hmm. None of that's true. Because if you don't have any of those things, 
then you can't build Legos. Like there has to be some sort of rules because, uh, and, and color coordination or else it just looks stupid. You know, that was my issue when I would, because we had a bucket of Legos, but no kits. And so I would every once in a while, you know, start with the like green thin platform thing and try to like make a building or whatever. But I, I wasn't too artistic where I would like make something that really looked like anything. I would just kind of make structures and put the dudes in them. So I didn't get, so I'm, I'm curious, what's your, what's your vision here? Do you, are you going to buy some big kits or what? I don't know. Well, that's money. the thing. You're an, you're an adult. You can kind of do whatever you want. Right. And that's maybe I think why I brought it up was just, just for that, uh, just for that check of like, Hey, is this, is this one of those kind of like intervention needed moments? You know, am I just kind of spiraling in my own head that I actually want this, but no, this would be weird type thing. Mm-hmm. Or could it be like a cool, cool hobby? Cause I'm never going to be able to, you know, like, Mets can paint. Connor, you can play guitar. I got nothing. I can only juggle. <laughs> you can only do that for so long. You can juggle? I can juggle. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Dude, you could do that well into your 80s. You juggling? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe, would, that, maybe that can get me through. Dude, but you hunt. Yeah, that is true. That is true. You have, you have the hunting thing, man. You're the hunt. You're the hunter guy. Yeah, but once hunting season's over, it's Lego season. Then it could be Lego season. Whoa, that's a good point. Is that a year-round sport? <laughs> yeah, because painting, dude, paintings, that's 24-7, 365, okay? Dude, mm-hmm. you're telling, you're telling me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's exhausting. Have you painted <laughs> recently, Matt? Yeah, I got a cool... I, I actually am doing my first um, like non... I don't know how you'd say it where I'm not trying to reproduce another image or mm. like I essentially copy it or, or paint something that's already, already real. Um, so I'm just kind of, you're just going I'm, off the dome. I'm going off the dome, dude. I had, I had an image in prayer and, um, we're just gonna, we're going to run with it. And that's cool. dude, it's been a lot of fun. And, um, because it, because it is, so this is the advantage because it's not a replica of anything. Or it's not meant to look exactly like one thing. You can really play around a lot with it, and you know the exact intention of what what good looks like. You don't have something that's constantly like in your face, like it's not looking like how it's supposed to look yet. You know the the image that you're trying to copy. So it, it's been like just lots of trial and error, and lots of different color mixes, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I like it. That is cool. Would you say, I'd be interested from a painter's perspective, like, is it something that I've heard author, I think we've talked about this, if authors will talk about like the characters kind of become their own, you Mm. know, their own, their own person. Does that happen with, with a painter as well when it's something that you're creating of like, yeah, maybe this wasn't exactly what I was picturing to start off, but this is its own thing here. Right. Well, that's kind of, I, I bet for actual painters, for people who, who actually know what they're doing, I bet that happens. Um, I'm not a painter. I, I paint, but I'm not a painter, if, if that mm. makes any sense. Uh, like, I don't know what I'm actually doing. And so 
I've I've well I've heard about it. Connor, you you talked about it with music that the song in a sense it begins to create itself and you're just kind of cooperating with it and that there's a yeah, there's something other about it that's really coming into form. And I'm not good to be honest, I'm not a good enough painter to have had that experience um in my medium, but have you had that, Connor? To be honest with you, I'm having uh, audio issues here. Are, am I still coming through my microphone? No, you're no. You sound terrible. And another thing, computers. So, what were you? What were you saying? Um. Uh, catch me up. You said you were trying to. You're trying to oh, paint, so, paint <laughs> off the dome. I'm trying to paint off the dome, but I'm not a good enough painter to, like to just let the painting lead me and and then to have like this discovery of like whoa look at this thing that i right. i cooperated with I, mine's more like a sophisticated version of paint by numbers <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and i <laughs> i think <laughs> i've never thought about that but that's really akin to how i paint but I assume that real painters, um, yeah, they can kind of get caught up in the creation of something else. And mine's just, it's too agenda driven and I'm not good enough to. Hmm. Agenda driven. Yeah. Mm. That's good. Yeah. 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 I like so, that distinction. Like, I, I think of this when I read a novel and the novelist has all sorts of details and apparent knowledge about different professions and whether it's like sailing or you know something that you don't think someone who writes books for a living would know a lot about this how do they so convincingly would like somebody who who knows this thing from the inside find this a little you know kiddish like or does this really feel real now, for instance, like J.F. Powers writes, he was a layman who wrote a lot of books about priests. And I'll read that and I'm like, how does he, how does he paint a picture of priesthood that's like better than one I could paint? You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, just the ins and outs and even the interior life of, of everyday priests um, and the kind of struggles and uh, conflicts and temptations and things like that. You're just like, wow, this is a gift you have. Um, hmm. how, how, does he, how does he do that I have no idea I, I don't really know his story too well but uh, in the last year I've read two or three books of his one great one Mort de Urban um, what Man, would, what's it? Mort de Urban it's the French for oh, the death of urban the death of cities no urban is the name of the priest oh um <laughs> Urban's a guy, dude. Urban's a guy. <laughs> well, it's his religious name. He has some other name at the beginning of the book. But um, yeah, you wonder like agenda driven. There are, I have read some books on writing uh, fiction. And it does seem like when a, when a writer has kind of hit their, hit their stride is when the character starts to do things that they don't expect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is which is kind of an interesting idea that like now the character is someone quasi real to them. Right. Almost outside mm. of your power that you're tapping into. Yeah. 
and this is not just me basically writing about myself and what I would do in this situation, but I'm actually, um, it's a, it's a interesting human capacity that we can do that. We can create a fictional person who has a personality that's not ours. Yeah. So I, I think when it comes to my limitations of painting, I mean, it's, so it's like in language, yeah, if you, if you talked about language or rhetoric as an art, you can kind of almost surprise yourself with the things that you say mm. because you're following the structures and the laws of whatever particular language. And it's like when Scott Harder would quote himself and he'd be like, <laughs> it's something I said that was really interesting was this. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, dude. I need to do that more. Very honest. That is very honest. Yeah. But because you, you, the laws and the rules and the familiarity with the art of speaking is so ingrained in you, it kind of just happens dynamically in you. And I'll tell you, I do not know the laws and the arts of painting well enough that I can just kind of freeform, let it fly. And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you ha- you have to have that base foundation there where it's it's like ingrained in you, and then those things, those laws and rules, can kind of just create themselves. Uh, you're just following you're following the art instead of trying to make the art do what you want. Hmm. I, so I don't know. Okay, so here's the question: What would that look like? Well, yeah, what do you envision the Lego hobby looking like? Well, I guess in theory, maybe. Maybe that. Um, and also, dude, this show, like, they're incredible at building Legos. Like, they create pieces of art with with Legos, which is really, really cool. Um, and I was like, I don't know. Maybe that would be would be fun. I still like playing Legos with my nephew, which is cool. Um, so does I have nephew, no idea. Does your nephew would... play Minecraft? No. Uh, what's Minecraft? I don't it's think so. It's a computer game. But I... I think minecraft i've never played it but i've seen my nephew play it once or twice and it kind of seems like legos on the computer everything's made of cubes yeah i think that's right oh. it's the same kind of principle. what's the difference between minecraft and tetris <laughs> <laughs> well te- oh, i don't know how to answer that it's tetris is that when the blocks are just falling and you have to arrange them yeah yeah oh man well, there are some differences, but there are also some similarities. It's like asking, what's the difference between <laughs> basketball and farming? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was, I was thinking about the Lego thing. And when I would play Legos growing up, um, it was always in some way, either it was always relational. So it was either competitive or we were creating some sort of a story out of the... Uh, like I can remember, so we you divvy up all the Legos. Um, you'd have like the one bin that everybody shares, but then each person was either on to construct their little buggy mobile that we were going to race, or a spacecraft, something that was going to fly around, or you had to create an industry. So like I would always make restaurants, and I have a little guy serving the restaurant, but it was a part of a bigger picture. So then our worlds would kind of interact with one another, and. Hmm. I don't know if that's a if that's a necessary component of the enjoyment of Legos for me, but um, it it was always like I I don't know if I enjoyed building stuff for the sake of building stuff enough, um, or if it was more like I want to beat my brothers in racing our Legos. It actually, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we would do like, uh, we had an excellent driveway for Lego races. And so we would, yeah, we would all build the best buggy possible. Mine was always pretty slow, but it looked the coolest. And all my brothers, they looked super stupid, but they were like calculating the weight and the speed and the size of the tires. And inevitably somebody would cheat and would use WD-40. They would put WD-40 <laughs> on, the, on the wheels of the Lego tires. Dude, which you can smell. <laughs> which you can smell and they would fly, man. And so, so it's like really <laughs> obvious who cheated. And then we started, I guess if you mix water with WD-40... <laughs> it like it up it yeah it binds it it jams it and so we started spraying down the legos before the races <laughs> and you can always tell like somebody would be playing it off like oh that's fine yeah and then the race would start and theirs wouldn't go anywhere <laughs> like dude you cheated man obviously come on oh man that's funny oh, man. yeah i don't know i i'm intrigued i do think more and more i think the um, I do think like the creative outlet <clears throat> is really important, but the line between like, Hey, how is this a, a legit life giving creative outlet versus like just a weird hobby? I don't always know the line mm. of that. And, um, but yeah, I, and I, I'm coming off of <clears throat> like that week away was awesome. I do actually really love to deer hunt one of just like the family time and being outside. Um, but there also is like, I think I would say a, a creative aspect with it of like strategizing and like just trying to set yourself up well for success. And it's just really good, man. It's a de-stressor. Um, as I've been reading some stuff recently about just how, um, yeah, I mean, it's no secret with the stuff in the, the news of like all the tension, the election, the, uh, coronavirus, it's, you know, I, I think it's, I don't, I think it's an, an unfair assessment of this guy that he was making of like, this is one of like the most stressful times ever. Um, and you, I mean, I'm sure there are like, especially if you would go back to like world war two era stuff or different, different periods. But, um, yeah, man, I, I think the creative outlet is really, really important. So I want to cultivate it. And for some reason, there's an appeal for Legos. You're, ar um, you're already a podcaster, with, dude. How much more creative could you be? You're right. You're absolutely right. That's a good point. Well, here's a, this a couple. Is this is the culmination of creativity, yeah. work ethic. In the midst and, of this this yeah. uh, creative wasteland, we are we're just persistently creating yeah. content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple things come to mind. One is my whole hobby horse of the Sacramento world. It's it, thinking about your uh, your Lego experience as a kid, Mets. That uh, first of all, that it's relational, like you said, relational Legos um, is just reflective of the the reality that we're made for relationship. But even above that, you're kind of world building, like you were the restaurateur, and others were car builders or would make other parts of the the city of man and you you did so in relationship like it would have been boring to make your own little world and have no one to share it with and uh it just is interesting from our perspective as catholics 
and the whole idea of creation, like God creates out of nothing through the word that he is, he already has someone to share his creation with, him, namely himself, like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then even that he relates to his creation or wants to, you know, so he creates, creates us um, who are utterly dependent on him for existence, but nevertheless reflect him in a way that we could actually receive and, and return that love um, that created us. You know, obviously you can't do that. That's like the, was it Chesterton talked about? It, it's as if in Christianity that Shakespeare had become a character in Hamlet or something. Mm-hmm. Like he, he created this world, but God is able to actually relate to the characters in more than just a creature-creator relationship, but actually become part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think like hobbies, especially creative hobbies, when they're relational like this gardening, I would like to make it something that it's not just me doing and then I eat the vegetables, you know, like it'd be nice to have the students help me and then like share the food and, and create meals together and, and things like that. Which I think certain hobbies are open to that kind of relationality. Um, but also there's the, just the psychological benefit of getting good at something. You know, you were talking about painting and, uh, not feeling like you had the chops to really let yourself go you're kind of chained to the you know photo that you're trying to imitate or or whatever because you you don't have the uh the capacity yet like the actual formation in the art itself to be totally free it reminded me of um doing jazz in high school jazz improvisation because i played saxophone i would like transcribe solos this was my big hobby in in high school was like sitting in the basement and listening to classic jazz albums and like transcribing minutes of, of solos with my instrument, like just trying to figure out what these guys played, what chord changes it was over, and then like transpose it into different keys, memorize, and basically just like learn a language of like, this is what bebop sounds like or mm-hmm. what ja- what uh, blues sounds like or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is what the masters, what they, and it, we would literally call it quoting. Like if you quoted a, a famous solo, Hmm. Um, you'd like do, you do like four bars of something that Sonny Rollins did or John Coltrane, uh, and people would recognize it. And so there was like a, a lexicon in jazz. Um, and I, I think the same thing in, um, art, like I, I don't know the lexicon when I go to the art Institute, but if you listen to like the audio that they have or read the little placards, that's what the job of the critic is, is like, I can't do it, but I'm, I'm aware of, of the art, you know, um, and so when I feel like when you get to the modern type of art, you know, like Picasso could paint something photorealistic and beautiful, but he, he started breaking the categories and breaking the rules and it was blowing people's minds and stuff. But then you have a bunch of copycats that are like, oh, you don't have to ru- learn the rules anymore to be a good artist. So now here's my messy bed. That's my art, you know, um, and it doesn't require any actual discipline to learn the art. Um, in order to create or even to bend the rules, you know, and same thing with poetry, like Robert Frost, um, I think like was pretty, was pretty, uh, derisive of like people who just came in and said, Oh, poems don't need to rhyme or have meter. So we can just say whatever we want. Um, because it was like, that's not, you're not really free. Like a person who breaks meter who can write in meter is different than a person who can't and just says, Oh, there are no rules in art anymore. 
So <clears throat> I do think like with the Lego thing, you know, how, how long did it take for those Lego masters to become masters uh, who taught them? And, you know, they probably grew up same as you in the basement with a bin and just like poured themselves into this thing for years. Um, but that, that's not to say that like I'm an amateur gardener and you have success and it's fun and then you learn from it and you, you get better as you go. Um, but that's, that's the thing about hobbies. I think you they have to be kind of lifelong. Like we're, you know, in the age of YouTube, you can kind of learn how to do anything really fast, hmm. but mm-hmm. to really dig into something and become great at it, uh, where you'd actually want to share this with the world and people would like want to put you on TV for it or takes a long time. Well, Hey, here's something that came to mind. Well, Rob, did you have anything that you wanted to say to that? Cause I, um, I want to hear your thoughts. You. It's well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it reminds me, my dad, um, when he was in the Navy, uh, one of his duties that he would have is he would be like the legal officer for a ship for a, a certain tour for a certain time period. And the hilarious stories that go along with that, but basically whenever they would dock, he would have to deal with all the legal repercussions of all these sailors going off into these foreign lands, you know, for like a night or two nights. And inevitably they would have to bail somebody out of jail or something, you know, like somebody would get in trouble and a bar fight or, or whatever, this and that. And those duties, even when he would get back stateside, you know, they have to be mindful of um, maybe the junior enlisted or some of the younger guys and gals. And he said one of the best things that he would recommend to his sailors and that he noticed basically, I mean, across the board was that sailors who who didn't have good hobbies would just like reoccurring. They, they would just fall back into trouble time and time again, especially when deployments were over. But that sailors who actually had who had really good hobbies that were kind of these lifelong pursuits towards things that they enjoyed doing, that they just seemed to live a, a healthier, a healthier lifestyle. And, and so he was telling me this when I was going through seminary, like, dude, you got to have good hobbies. And it seemed to me like just a really practical human thing that is just good for folks to have in general. And I've always kind of felt like, um, hobbies are created fun when there's not enough fun things around to do that just naturally pop up. Um, like I, I wouldn't say I, I did like I, I invested in hobbies as a kid. Like I just did what was fun in front of me, but now we're in a lifestyle and an age and a time where it's like, no, you actually have to be disciplined to create good hobbies that are going to be life giving and sustaining. And, and, and so I think it's just a, a practical human thing that taps into the creative outlet. And so like, what's the, what's the desire there for you to, to have a hobby? Um, like where, where is that coming from? It feels more like, um, do you guys remember, this was a a few years ago, we were still at Mundelein, but do you remember when I got into, uh, wood whittling for a while? I do, man. I do. This that. feels a little uh, feels a little bit more like that, and maybe it's I, I don't think it's just my personality, but there's like a firm realization you can only be like really into so many things. 
you know. Um, but that was something that was like short lived, but it, it will still have a resurgence and has actually brought like just a lot of I don't know, I've really liked it still. And pretty much all I taught myself how to do was how to whittle owls out of wood. That's all I can do. <laughs> but I still like to do that every once in a while. And I'm not great at it. And I don't like necessarily desire to be great at it. It's just like maybe once or twice a year, if all of a sudden like an evening comes free or something like that, it's just a really nice thing to do instead of watch TV or like um, flip around on on Netflix. So it's like this super simple thing that brings a little bit of joy and does like require like some thought and work to to do it. Um, so I don't know this this one feels more like that of like I don't want, you know, $5,000 worth of Legos in my basement lair that <laughs> only I can <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, when the nephews come over, like, don't play with that. Don't even. That's go not a yeah. toy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can we look at Uncle Rob's Legos? <clears throat> no, no, that's art. Okay, that's art. <laughs> Only, <laughs> Only if you put on these gloves. Okay. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I think it was just, um, just that. I mean, it's similar of. And I think, too, like watching that show, what was cool about it was like they could tell with how they built Legos, as silly as that sounds, they could tell stories with it Mm. and like they could express emotion with it. And I'm just I just know that about myself of like that is important of like some type of outlet to do to do that. Um, And like different things help that very much like. You know, it's a big difference for me, like when I'm like journaling in prayer versus not doesn't mean that it's bad either way. Um, but like there's something about the discipline of journaling that like makes me express, makes me articulate like what's happening and what the Lord is doing in a different way that I have found to be really important and really good. Hmm. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about whittling, I <clears throat> couldn't help but think of that monk on in the Athos movie that makes uh, little crosses. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's a hermit, spends his whole day praying and working. And his work is like keeping up his hermitage, harvesting firewood and olives and all the rest of it for survival. But then there's all this downtime. And, uh, I think he says something like you can't pray all the time, you know, or something like that. Here's this guy who's, you know, left the world completely to live by himself, to be with God. And he still needs a hobby. Um, and it's whittling, you know, images of Jesus that then they, I think they sell and use to support the, the monks. But, um, you know, like the difference between a hobby and work is not that big. Um, I think of uh, this article my spiritual director had me read years ago on leisure. And it was about how like the two-day weekend was a modern kind of industrial innovation up until factories and assembly lines. We only needed one day off the Sabbath. Um, 
but it wasn't because we were working harder. It was that the work was more dehumanizing. So you needed more, more breaks for not just sleeping, but like doing other stuff that's, that kind of restores you, um, like free work. My dad, my dad is retiring today actually. And his big hobby is airplanes. He does RC airplanes, Uh, gas ones. Yeah. And he's gotten so into it. He's a total engineer, total nerd. And for the last like two, three years, the basement has just become like this burgeoning hotel for airplanes. Um, and he even got a new car. He, for the first time, bought an SUV because it can fit his big planes in it without having to take them apart. And he, before that, had been a big car guy. So he was uh, like always kind of working his way up to more cars that fit his uh, kind of hot rod sensibility. And now he's driving this big mom SUV so he can fit his planes in it, which is so interesting, like how, how the <laughs> hobby has affected his life. But you can just tell, like, I go home and he wants to show me the airplanes. He wants to... Uh, you know, he, he'll get one that like, doesn't matter if I crash it so I can fly it. And, Hmm. um, it is very relational. He's in this RC club now and he's kind of become the, he's, he's 66 and he's probably like the second youngest guy in the club. So he mows the (laughs) lawn for the field and all this stuff. And it's like this big community and it's really cool. But, um, you know, I think that in the, I can't, can't remember who sent us this email, but a while back that young woman who listens to us and said like that she feels like a modern coal miner who goes up into a skyscraper and does Excel spreadsheets all day and then comes back out into the light and needs something mm-hmm. to kind of humanize the atmosphere for her. Um, I, I think that that's, that's very much where we're at. Like if, if your work was creating little crosses or making chairs you know, I think about like a lot of the stuff that <clears throat> my <clears throat> my former barber was an upright bass player in a live jazz band and made a li- made a good living like in the 40s and 50s playing music um, because people wanted live music and now a lot of that stuff that those jobs just don't exist because of different technological innovations and disruptions and stuff like that. Um, but it used to pay off to learn a craft and you, you, it was human. The work you did was kind of humanizing and, and something that you loved and you could share with people. Um, and now even more so working from home, you're just like on zoom all day. Like I need something else to do that's face to face with other people. And at the end of the day, I can like dust off my hands and say, I made that. And now the world is different. Yeah. That was, a, that was what the gardening thing was for me. And then like some of the carpentry, amateur carpentry kind of stuff that I was doing. Hmm. I was like, I'm not good at this, but it's just like, I, I would have it in my mind. Like when I get a free three hours, I'm going to work on that, you know? And he has, I think yeah, there's something get, to that. You should get some Legos, oh, man. Oh, Thanks. That's what I needed to hear. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, there's something good um, to that. That ha- that same thing, that was an interesting line there of like, yeah, whenever I get a free three hours, I'm going to go work on that. That, yeah, I find that to be a really good thing. Um, like w- that, that will happen to me as well when 
and it doesn't happen every book I read, but like a book that really captivates me. Um, that's always a really cool thing of like, yeah, oh man, cool. I have like, you know, I'm done with meetings in the evening and I have an hour before bed here. Like I get to go like read this book just to read it. Um, and that's a really, I don't know. I don't know how, what you call that. Maybe, maybe leisure, honestly. Um, but that's a really cool thing. It's a very human thing. Hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely related that thought and that, that emotion to, to reading books as well. And I, and I wonder if, if that has been my primary hobby. I, I don't know if you can call that a hobby, like how you would, you would technically categorize hobbies or not, but I, I definitely have had that thought around, around books. And I guess sometimes, yeah, I mean, around painting as well, if I really get caught up in, in a little project or something, but yeah, I'm, I have always wanted to to buy I don't even know how this would work. I remember trying to build airplanes as a kid. Not not like Lego airplanes. Like I wanted to find a way that I could build an airplane. And I would try to take apart engines and try to move engines from uh, like my <laughs> my weed my weed eater uh like some extra lawn equipment that we weren't using the engine and I mean, I'll just buy like random boards of wood and try to situate them in a way that looked like wings and a body. And I just wanted mm-hmm. to tinker and like create stuff. And I would take apart my bike and then try to reassemble it. Did y'all do stuff like that? Mm-hmm. I would take stuff apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I think it's maybe a, a lingering itch uh, of of my my adolescent days, but... I have always wanted to buy like car parts and essentially just assemble a car. One, I mean, I think it would, that would be like some, it seems to me that's like a, uh, darn it. I was going to say something rude there, Rob. That's like a grown up version of Legos. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's probably true. Yeah. In some ways. I, I said it anyways. Um, but but it's also yeah I mean it's creating something, uh, and it's helping me to learn about like something I know absolutely nothing about, and it seems to be a, a huge blind spot. I mean, we've talked about this before, but a huge blind spot in my practical uh, comfort comfort with like stuff that I interact with on a day to day basis. I don't know anything about cars, and I use them literally every day, and that seems to be a problem. Um, so I think it would be fun to tinker with, but also it would be like some practical knowledge that would be helpful for me as well. You know what else that makes me think of that I was reflecting on this week? Um, yeah, that practical knowledge, like feeling, feeling accomplished, like, you know, more about the world. Like I I remember as a kid, and I've talked about this before, but like just looking around at the world and all the things that were part of my daily life and having no idea how any of them worked or where any of them came from kind of gave me this sense that I was an alien in the universe. Like I was just a completely dependent, like, I don't know how to make a computer, but I need it to do school. You know, like what if all the people that know how to make computers die? 
and it's on me. Like, I don't know how to do anything. Um, and then growing up, you kind of learn, learn different things, practical skills, you have different experiences. And, uh, there's the kind of adolescent attitude where then once you know something, if somebody else, uh, starts to learn it, you're kind of like, Oh yeah, I already know that, you know, the, the kind of pride that comes with, um, it's almost like jaded. Uh, I remember going out, out West into the mountains and never having seen stars like that or mountains and rivers like that. And the guys who had grown up there kind of being like, Oh, that's funny. He's such a flatlander and feeling like a little bit ashamed that my, my world was so narrow. Um, and so there's something, there's something good, I think about expanding your, your world, um, to know, and then you can like the mature attitude is I want to, I want to initiate other people in this. I don't want to like take pride in that. I know things and other people don't. Um, but to teach others or to show others beautiful and good things that I know and have experienced. And when we get to have, I'm reading the great divorce with my book club. Now we finished uh, the Lion, Witch and the wardrobe and like the whole thing about coming up into the, the heavenly realm and, um, imagining what that's going to be like to come to heaven and just like all those people are kind of already there and happy that you're there and want to show you and like your your eyes will be open to something totally new and wonderful and everything here that you thought was cool is, is just a shadow of what what will be um there's something good about the wonder like i don't know how any of this works it's just so cool and beautiful and it's given to me um but also there's part of me that wants to like know it and understand it and be able to recreate it and show others uh, not in a way that puts them down, but like lifts them up. Uh, and I, I do think hobbies are, are kind of like that um, when they're by people who, who, you know, aren't the Will Ferrells that don't let the kids go down to the basement because his Legos aren't toys, you know, mm-hmm. but like is you, you, I want you to mess around and, and screw up because this is something I really care about and want other people to enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, man. There's something good there. We probably got to cut it here. Yeah. Hey, I, you know what I was thinking of this little uh, pivot, but do you guys remember the old movie Rookie of the Year? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Is that the one the kid breaks uh, his arm? Yeah, and then can throw like 105 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. just for the Cubs. Throw him the hot thing to cheese. Is Nick Nolte in that movie? Or, I think so. No, no, no. Is it Nick Nolte? Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that's a great movie. But uh, I remember I watched that actually with nieces and nephews last year, I think. And it was something so good because, like, kind of the background story to the whole, like, to the whole movie is like these three boys. And they're just, they're working on this old boat and they're trying to get the motor running. Mm. Do you remember that part of it? Mm -hmm. And it's like this old piece of junk boat that somehow they got and all they're trying to do is get the motor running. And that's kind of like, I don't know, like, I mean, because he walks away from like from baseball at the end of it. Well, it doesn't like re-break his arm or I don't know, something. Spoiler alert. But uh, (laughs) yeah, sorry. Um but it was like, oh man, that's just really good. Like, there's just something cool about that. When you were talking about tinkering, Mike, it's like, yeah, I still, 
there has to be a maturity like yeah to one not let it become like an obsessive thing and become will ferrell in the lego movie and also to realize like you can't do everything you know it can't take you away from like responsibilities and stuff like that but i still like kind of want that you know of like being able to tinker at something with buddies and yeah um I don't know. There's just something good there. One well, and, and the father Franzman. Oh my goodness, he <laughs> yeah, is a professional yeah. tinker. Yeah. yeah, but he loves to tinker. And I wonder if, like that show with the the master Lego builders, um, but in order for an art to be, I think, really pursued with passion, there has to be some vision of the beauty that it can that it can create, and like that that's that's one thing i mean i think that's what the artist does in a lot of ways it shows people through a specific medium something spectacular that they couldn't have imagined on their own and that show essentially envisions this final product like hey you think this is just legos and toys and and tinkering things was like dude check out what you could actually do with it and Hmm. i i I can't envision that. I, I haven't seen the show and I don't have the imagination. I mean, I guess I could I could play at it, but there is something good about um, having somebody open up the opportunity or at least like a hope of something. Hey, you could make something this beautiful or you can actually do this incredible thing with these little blocks and cubes and you can make another world or you can make a tower and you can make like a whole city and a story and you could make a tower all the way to heaven. Express and then emotion. you'd be in charge. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Dude, all I remember from Rookie of the Year is when he snaps his arm and then he goes into the doctor and yep. <laughs> yep. it's got the like that that fast twitch thing and he knocks him. Oh, funky butt loving. <laughs> I thought that was the, that was literally the funniest line. Absolutely. When you're ten years old watching that movie. I had never okay, so there's this like I had never heard the phrase funky butt loving before. And it was like, I didn't know words could come together like that. Yep. There you go. Be that funny. <laughs> this is, you just blew my mind, rookie of the year. By the way, it was Gary Busey, not Nick Nolte. That's it. That's it. Gary Busey. Mm-hmm. That's it. He was also in, isn't he in Tommy Boy as well? Or be. Black Sheep. Maybe he's in Black Sheep. He's, he's a funny guy, though. I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah. Mm. We should have him on the cast. Hey, wait, is he on right now? No, I'll get him Gary? on next week. Gary Busey? Okay. Who's No, this week it's McConaughey again. <laughs> he's been sitting here. How you doing, man? He says he's fine. All right, yeah. all right, all right. <laughs> all right. Good talk, guys. Yeah. Let's see if I can stitch this together. You got it, I believe. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball.
Spanky dogs. Spanky dogs. Good girl.